Hey, everybody. Welcome to an episode of Fintech Brews. I'm Nikki Rohde, along with uh, Eric Cotton and a very special guest today, Sunil from Fiserv, head of Fintech and Growth. Thank you both for joining today. Thank you. You bet. Um, so I, uh, Sunil, I, I can't wait to have you share a little bit about your story, what Fiserv is doing, and this new partnership we've entered into between Fiserv and Central Payments. But before I do that, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that uh, you, Sunil, and you, Eric, were recently on the FinTech Live New York um, event. And so the question of the day is, Sunil, how much did you have to carry Eric? <laughs> I, I'd let everybody just watch the video and make the judgment yeah, for themselves. Okay, right. But so I, I think it was a, uh, it was a very, uh, very complimentary uh, kind of episode for both of us. That was good. The yeah. tape won't lie. I, I relied heavily on mm. Sunil's expertise. Did you echo a lot? Did yeah. you echo yep. that? Yep. Mm. That was my move. Sounds about right. Oh, he did. He did. He started <laughs> with a couple of echoes. I was just like, okay. And then I think the the narrator or the facilitator got a, understood his uh, his strategy and just started asking him questions first. Yep. He made me deal first. Good. So, yep. Yeah. It's usually what we do. We try to try to put him out on the plank whenever possible. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, well, on a serious note, thank you, Sunil, so much for joining. I'd love to just start with um, you describing a little bit about what you do for Fiserv. I think you've been there a little over five years, if I'm not wrong. Um, what does um, Head of FinTech and Growth look like? And um, just maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, no, look, this is great. First of all, thank you so much for the invite. Appreciate being on here. I'm, I'm actually a boomerang at Fiserv. So I, I started... Uh, mostly, in, uh, I was picked up in international um, many years ago, around 2011, stayed around uh, four or five years then at Original Fiserv, worked mostly internationally in banking and payments, uh, left for a startup and then came back. So in my second stint, I've been about four years. And during that time, I spent a lot of um, uh, energy around community banking. I headed up uh, uh, two of our uh, core banking platforms that support close to 700 financial institutions in the market today. And then I got exposed to a lot of fintechs through that activity because we were living in a post-Durban world. And uh, as we started getting engaged with fintechs, what we realized as an organization was that we weren't really organized in a way that we could face off against what fintechs as buyers of financial services would need. We were very much focused in selling our capabilities to financial institutions, to corporations, to merchants, but the development community was a little bit of a new animal. So we created the FinTech group and I'm very proud to, have, um, to be leading that group for the last, I think now 18 months. And what we basically do, Nikki, is like we take products and services that historically were deployed to FIs and merchants, and we reconfigure them in a way they can be consumed with a broader TAN, uh, which is supporting this whole wave of embedded finance with the development community and with fintechs that are looking to embed financial services in different user experiences. And that's where, you know, uh, I met this gentleman, uh, Eric Cotton and Central Payments, and um, it was a very complimentary view on how we were seeing the landscape and where we saw the growth. Uh, so the partnership just made uh, a whole lot of sense. Mm, I appreciate that. Um, I, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about when you say, you know, you've historically focused on on the banks and, and credit unions and the cores. 
what do you find in your opinion does the fintech industry need um, that is very unique and different from the bank and credit union space I think there's, you know, there's a couple of elements. One is, um, you know, they need more fin than tech in the sense that they need a, a lot of education on kind of the regulatory environment, right? And we continue to see blips of, you know, why that's important today. Just last week, we had a couple of consent orders go out to financial institutions that work with fintechs, unfortunately. But um, in the in the broad universe of sponsor banks, a lot of those sponsor banks are actually doing a great job working with fintechs. But the fintechs need to appreciate kind of all the regulations that financial institutions have to deal with for the privilege of having a charter uh, in this country. The other thing that we find with the fintechs is speed, right? Obviously, that's the big difference between them and the financial institutions. They are very maniacal on the user experience and focused on getting out uh, the best capability and service for their targeted demographic. So we have to operate a little bit differently within Fiserv to make sure that we can keep up with with their needs without breaking anything on the back end, yeah. right? Uh, and then the third piece is just from a commercial model, it's very different. Um, a lot of fintechs and third parties have come to market, you know, looking to take advantage of kind of the debit interchange model that's out there. Uh, and they are soon to realize that they can't run a business just on kind of that one trick pony. So we work th work with them quite a bit on the commercial side. I I've been privileged to work with a couple of great fintechs uh, that were series A, series B, and they were attracted to Pfizer just because of our broad distribution. We have uh, so many financial institutions, credit unions and merchants um, they'd love, you know, they'd love nothing more for us to help them get into uh, those front doors. And as we did that, what we realized was that there was a lot of work they needed to do both on the tech, the commercialization, the go to market piece. Uh, and that's where I think we've really stepped up as an organization to kind of help them through that. Mm, I love that. You know, you know about Falls FinTech and the accelerator we started in 2020. I can't tell you how many uh, FinTech companies would apply to be part of our program. And we'd say, what's your go-to-market strategy and what does your financial model look like? And they're like, we're just going to live on interchange. I'm like, mm, that's fun, but no. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very interesting and there's definitely an education component to that. Eric, how do you think that um, over your tenure and different partners that we've talked to, what do you think the fintechs need um, as it relates to the partnership that we provide? Because what I hear, although I hate complimenting Eric, it's really painful for my soul. <laughs> what I constantly hear from people is, man, I love talking to Eric because there's this consultative approach where he just gets it. And so when you talk to the fintechs, what, what do they need that you seem to get? It's an interesting question because there's not, there's not, it's not a one size fits all answer. And I think that's where, you know, the partnership with, with Fiserv comes in and, and Sunil had mentioned it, you have to be complementary to your partnerships. So we have some partners that are very strong from an operational and distribution perspective, and we can kind of lean back a little bit there and focus more on regulatory and consumer compliance uh, or vice versa. So, you know, it, it all starts with listening and kind of understanding your audience. What are our partners strong at and where are they looking for help? Um, and I think Central Payments historically has just done a wonderful job of meeting our partners where they are and, and forming this, this really great partnership. Yeah. So 
let's talk about this partnership between Fiserv and Central Payments. Sunil, what are you um, super excited about as we venture into this next chapter? Yeah, look, for me, it comes down to the basics, right? I think, first of all, the, the partnership, um, I think, it, I, I feel is going to be very successful just because of the people involved, right? And I've met a lot of the folks at Central Payments, including, obviously, Eric and, and others, and uh, I think our, our, our teams get along very well. So that's a great sign, right? And the other piece is that um, we both recognize what each is bringing to the table and what are the incentives that each of us have. And I think that's really required for a, for a strong partnership going forward. Like we're only going to bring deals to Eric that we know makes sense for central payments and, and he's going to do the same for us. And, and we all know that when we do get into a deal that we're no longer Fiserv and central payments, we are this partnership. And it's about us holding up each other to make sure that we deliver for the fintech or the program that we want to we want to support and we want to engage with. So I think from the people to the processes to, you know, um, kind of the way we look at the marketplace, uh, again, very complimentary. And I think it's it's uh, I'm very excited about uh, what's to come with our partnership. You bet. Eric, how about for you? Yeah, I mean, Sunil, exactly right. Do you uh, want to echo him? I want to echo I, him. I, I think just uh, just let me reread it. But you saw the play. Yeah, I mean, you can you can already tell as the as the partnership was forming that we understand our lanes. Um, we understand our audience, whether you know it's a it's a it's a partner we source or one that Pfizer sort of brings into this joint partnership. I think there is a a very baseline and embedded understanding from both organizations where you know, where this fits. Um, and, and it's just been very smooth, open, transparent so far. I think it's, it is, it's, it's the people getting along, being very open and, and, and making this thing work. Yeah. One thing that I find really interesting is, as you know, in 2022, central payments um, had a change of control where we're no longer a wholly owned subsidiary of Central Bank of Kansas City anymore. And so that's had us doing a little bit of an identity shift in how we position ourselves in the market. Um, of course, we still have the agency of the bank and we've added more banks, which helps. Um, but the this, this space of program management is pretty rare, especially program management by uh, bankers for all intents and purposes. So we get the fin in FinTech. And then with OpenCP, we get the tech uh, that complements uh, complements the fin, and then of course with your guys's reputation in the industry, I think it's just a really cool, uh, really cool synergy. So, um, so I thank you for for the advocacy and and the partnership that you guys have created. Um, you know, Sunil, I'm going to come back to the uh, core conversation. So, some people might think of Fiserv and think of you guys just exclusively as a bank core. Uh, we know that that's not the case, but tell the audience more about, um, you know, what Pfizer offers beyond just core processing for banks. Yeah, no, thanks, Nikki. So, you know, Pfizer is a company that moves money and data in a way that moves the world, right? That's what we like to say. And um, over the last couple of years, as we've come together with First Data, I think it's probably four years now uh, with that merger, uh, we sit in a very privileged position. Uh, in the U.S. and around the world, 
Um, we have uh, an awesome footprint of financial institutions across banks and credit unions. Uh, we have equally, if not a broader footprint on the merchant side of the business. Um, and both pieces are very important in a day and age where all you're seeing is convergence of banking and payments, right? And as the digitization of the economy continues, you're going to see more and more people kind of blur the lines of where they make their payments and where they do their banking, right? Ultimately, behind the scenes, you're still going to need the FIs because they're the chartered institutions, they're regulated. Um, but you're going to see an opportunity for them to work with all of these third parties and uh, technology organizations and merchant organizations to make payments and banking as convenient as possible, as frictionless as possible. So for us, you know, we are, you know, at the top of the league tables across merchant acquiring, merchant processing, digital banking, core banking, uh, money movement. Uh, we process most of the ACHs, 60% of the ACHs in the country. Um, so we are up there in, in kind of every table that matters, right? And for us, it's now about thinking horizontally. How do we bring all of those pieces together and blend it with the right partnerships, like with a CP, to ensure that we could deliver the best experiences, regardless of where it originates? It could originate on a banking app, or it could originate at Walmart, or it could originate at Target, or it could originate um at a at a fintech right uh what we want to be able to do is kind of plug all of the holes in the back to ensure that there's a seamless experience that is also very compliant and consistent with the with the regulations that exist today so we are just uber excited within the company i think we did we had a uh a senior leadership meeting just a couple of weeks ago and um, our CEO, Frank Bizignano, said a couple of words, uh, followed by our CFO, Bob Howe. And you got this real sense of optimism in the room because everybody felt like the merger was working really well and we were just hitting our stride. And we feel like the next 12 to 18 months, there's an opportunity for us to really differentiate ourselves from not only traditional competitors, but also kind of competitors that people would never kind of put us in the same ballpark in, right? Uh, we're talking the large network providers, we're talking the large technology companies that are out there. Um, so I think in Fiserv in general, you're, you know, there's a, a great sense of optimism of what's to come uh, and that we have all the building blocks and the pieces to kind of really think horizontally to take embedded finance uh, you know, through this convergence orientation that we're living through. Yeah, I think that's really wise. It, on that note, what are some of the things beyond the horizontal kind of framework that you're thinking through that you guys are doubling down on, be it a particular vertical or anything in that kind of consideration? Yeah, I think all, all the main lines of businesses are benefiting from the horizontal, right? And that's that's what makes the horizontal so powerful. So from the banking side of the business, you know, we continue to, to invest in our existing tech stack, but we also acquired some great pieces just the last couple of years, right? FinZact, which is a Gen 3 core, cloud native, API native, allows us to bring a ledger that is digital asset friendly. Right. So think about having a ledger that can only not only support traditional finance, but modern finance. And it can make 
any type of asset fungible, right? So if you have loyalty points, uh, traditional DDA, some crypto, uh, a securities uh, account, there's an opportunity to create what we call a global account balance that makes all of these pieces fungible, right? Which really helps uh, from a cash flow perspective, which again is needed when you're living in a high interest rate environment, right? And then all of this stuff can be interrogated or initiated off of traditional banking products, which makes the banks happy, right? Um, and it also makes the merchants happy because you, you're able to kind of have uh, bigger basket sizes at the point of sale because you're leveraging all of that cash flow. I think one of the key things that we've seen in the banking side over the last couple of years is a lot of wallet fragmentation, right? Money is all over the place. And we now have a Gen 3 ledger that brings it all back together and can be interrogated or initiated from a single um, uh, payment device. On the merchant side, same thing. They are attacking omni-channel like crazy, right? They are trying to figure out what is the footprint from a physical perspective and an online perspective. The same thing the branches are doing and the banks are doing. They're doing that in their own kind of uh, cycle. And they're trying to figure out how do I make sure that with all the Venmos, the PayPals and stored value products and open loop and closed loop, what do I expect? What, what do I accept and when do I accept it? They need something that really ties all of that stuff together. So, you know, both of these industries are going through kind of some of the same type of, um, uh, uh, you know, programs to, to figure out how to engage the customer and, and, and grow their businesses. So really the horizontal across the company is, uh, uh, you know, I would say hitting on all cylinders right now. The, describing it as wallet fragmentation, I, I suppose that's the first time I've heard that, but it makes a ton of sense. Um, Eric, I'll, I'll turn to you and ask about when you look at, at, across central payments and all the opportunities that are there and different competing priorities that we might have, what, um, where are we doubling down? What is the area of focus that, uh, that you are most excited about? Yeah, we've we're obviously investing heavily in in speed of funds movement. Anything real time, you know, we are taking second and third looks and jumping in feet first. Um, you know, we've got Fed now, uh, you know, that is starting to go live from an industry perspective that you know we're we're looking into. So it's not so much adding uh, new feature and functionality right now. It's more offering offering those additional embedded products that we have across our whole platform that benefit some of our you know partners that have been on the platform for a while so wherever we can create some efficiencies and conveniences for our partners um you know that's that's always a big win for us and touching a little bit on on what sunil said why this partnership is so exciting is you know, as Sunil was going through, you know, we're looking heavily at, you know, getting a little bit more involved in the acquiring space and, you know, potentially credit. And, you know, Sunil mentioned their their footprint there and, you know, who better to partner with, um, you know, in the market and again, introducing some of our, our existing strategic partners to than, than the industry leader. Out of curiosity, given the climate and everything that's been happening with the bank pressure, what, Sunil, do you see as the uh, future for neobanks? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting because you probably have to answer it in a couple of different ways. But 
the current economic climate, right, where you have all of this banking turmoil, Mickey, and then you've got the backdrop still is a high interest rate environment, right? Um, so, um, and it's, I'm, I'm kind of smiling as you ask that question because just today I've talked to two financial institutions that are launching digital banks. And they're launching digital banks because they've got a, you know, they've got a uh, deposits issue and they want to grow outside of their MSA, but they don't want to cannibalize their existing customers and the low cost funding they have today, right? So this is a playbook that we saw, what, like three, four years ago, right? Um, you know, before interest rates were, you know, uh, uh, so low for so long. Uh, and then, you know, it's back again because, uh, you know, they've got to figure out how to do this. And that was the original kind of thesis to go work with a neobank and a fintech, right? was like, hey, I could launch my own digital bank, but I've only got the same operational people and the same folks that are working on my, my traditional banking services. So what do I do? Right. And then fintechs would come along and say, well, look, I've got a great app. I've got some secret sauce. I can go out, get some customers, give me your charter. And that's how, you know, neobanks and chimes and acorns and everything was formed. So I think we're in a really interesting phase because I think, um, you know, there are concerns about, you know, potentially working with startups today from a compliance perspective and everything else. But at the same time, there's still a huge balance sheet demand that they've got to satisfy and cost of funds that continue to rise. And, and uh, um, I just think there is going to be a place, Mickey, for neobanks uh, going forward, especially for neobanks that are tailoring services, right? Because I think the ones that do really well are very narrow in terms of how they approach uh, kind of their target market. And they really understand their target market, right? I always think about, and I, I don't have any affiliation with them. I always think about Squire. Um, and, you know, these, it was a fintech, I believe, that uh, caters to barbershops and just to barbershops because it was a bunch of guys that were barbers, I believe, right? And they kind of came together. They knew their cash flow situation was so variable. They knew what they needed. So they developed a fintech that could cater to barbershops. And I think they're still doing pretty well. I hope they are. Yeah. But, uh, but that's the kind of tailored service that I think, you know, is missing from institutions, even community institutions, because they, they, they don't have the time or the, or the capability to think that narrowly about different use cases. And it may not be with a, you know, uh, it may not be worth it in their own, in their community. But if you think about a neobank, thinking about that narrow community nationally, that's where it kind of makes sense from an ROI perspective. So I think there'll, there'll be a place, there'll be lessons learned and uh, the strong will survive. Yeah, I, I think so too. We were actually just talking about this the other day. And again, I'll go back to Falls FinTech being this incubator accelerator program we, we kicked off a while back and how many times we would have to tell the FinTechs, make the main thing the main thing. Stay the course. What's your target market? Why are you doing this? Come back to, sorry, hashtag Simon Sinek, um, but start with why. Why are you doing this? What's your what's your approach? And not getting distracted by the shiny things, which as entrepreneurs, that's really, really hard um, to not do. But boy, I tell you, we saw fintechs that had a great idea and a great focus. Scope creep came into play. Three years later, they're still not off the ground because they can't 
make the main thing the main thing. So that, that we just talked about that the other day. So Eric, on that note, what do you do when you talk to people that, that make their way to central payments and they're like, well, I've got all these crazy ideas. How do you help them kind of focus uh, on, on their main thing? Yeah, it's, I mean, you have to be very deliberate. It, it is exactly that is, you know, you have to think about profitability to get to profitability. You know, how do you get to scale? That starts with getting in market. You have to have a point at which you're out there in the market selling and earning your first dollar and iterating from there. So the, the pivot and the, I'm going to sneak in a couple of these development features here as as things are a little bit idle is is just the enemy of progress uh, for for some of these companies and it it all comes down to the importance of of the launch and sticking to your focus it is so important i know we have the pfizer forum conference coming up um what's what make a plug on that sunil what are you guys going to be talking about and hitting on out there well, you know, Pfizer Forum, we're, we're just excited that we're back to seeing our customers face to face. It's been a couple of years with the pandemic. Um, so that's what I, at least I'm most excited about. And we've got a different mix of customers now, right? Because of the, the merger with First Data, you're going to see financial institutions, you're going to see fintechs, you're going to see merchants. I'm thinking through some of the, you know, the notable uh, kind of topics, everything around programmable payments, embedded finance, omni-channel commerce on the merchant side. Um, I think we're going to cover it all, Nikki. And are you guys coming? Well, are you guys coming? Uh, Eric is. Eric, go ahead. Yeah, I will be there for sure. You know, she, she can't be out in public, mm. so she will likely not be making the trip, but <laughs> Yeah, we are, you know, we're excited to for all the things that you just mentioned, meeting the whole, you know, Pfizer ecosystem, payments, uh, partners, uh, fintechs, all of that. So, so um, I know that this is probably not what the marketing folks would have us do, but I think there's a little bit of lead time from when this will actually drop. Sunil, when is the Pfizer forum? 12th to the 15th. Is that right? I think that sounds right. about right. At the, uh, at the Venetian. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, there's so much to always unpack when it relates to fintech and, and growth and things. So I think you did a beautiful job summarizing. Um, I thank you for all the work that you're doing in every aspect of, um, of Fiserv. And of course, appreciate the partnership um, despite present company over here. Um, so I thank you for that. I thank you for carving out some time for joining. And I'm going to put up a toast for partnership. So cheers to that. Cheers. Thanks, Sunil. Thank